worship with you, church. If you're new, my name is Justin Jordan. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are in week two of our Christmas series, The Stories of Christmas. And uh, last week, we talked about the reality that the light of the world, the word of God, has come into the world. And this Christmas, it is important that we don't miss Jesus. It's obvious that at times we can go through all of Christmas and get caught up, as we say, the hustle and the bustle. And we can actually miss Jesus. We actually miss him in the midst of the season that we're in. And this is a time where, man, there is so much opportunity to grow close to Jesus, uh, to hear from him, to experience him in a powerful way. And so one of the things we talked about last week was getting connected to a devotional, whether it's the one that the church offers and the reading plans. If you've got your bulletins this morning, you'll notice there's a QR code. There's a QR code you can scan there and you can get connected to uh, devotionals that we have to offer and maybe it's other devotional that you're doing. Whatever it is, get connected to Jesus this Christmas. And um, uh, just so you guys know, we had a little bit of a problem with the link last week when it comes to the devotional. We fixed that now. It's just a PDF, so you don't have to register and create a username and all that other stuff um, when it comes to the daily devotional. The other thing we talked about is make sure your family doesn't miss Christmas, your kids don't miss Christmas, and we offered an Advent calendar. And I want to tell you, super proud of you guys, because we ran out of Advent calendars last week, which we've never done that before. And so, awesome, awesome job of getting those. We also have those available in our reading plans as well, digitally. And so if you want to grab that, grab that link on our website. Um, and I want to encourage you too, if you aren't a part of the Life for Kids uh, Parents Facebook group, Join that group as well. Jenny's going to be posting every single day devotional passage and an activity you can do with your family. And I want to encourage you to do that. And there's actually a, a little prize for whoever uh, does the, the greatest or the most posts on Instagram and tag, uses that hashtag that... I don't know what the hashtag is. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, young guy anymore. There's a hashtag that Jenny has on that Life for Kids Parents, but you post on there. She's going to give away some gift cards at the end of the Christmas season uh, just as an incentive for you guys to encourage to, to get connected to Jesus and to make sure you don't miss Jesus this Christmas. And uh, I'm already seeing posts on Facebook. And honestly, it's also a reminder and encouragement to me to continue to love and lead my family well. And so don't miss Jesus this Christmas. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, I said this just offhand last week and kind of resonates with what we're talking about today is I'm one of those guys that uh, I need to be crock-potted when it comes to Christmas. I am not like ready to go out of the gate when it comes to Christmas. Anybody a crock-pot person when it comes to Christmas? I need to, the slow simmer for a little while, right? And that's how I am. And, and one of the things about that is because um, there is something that happens for us if we've been Christians for any amount of time. Maybe you're new to the Bible. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe all this is new. The whole message is new. And so you may not experience this yet, but for, for someone who's been experiencing Christmas after Christmas and trying to be intentional with my family, there's this thing that happens if you've been following Jesus for a little while called the lullaby effect. And the lullaby effect is this idea that like you've heard the message before, you know the story, and so you just kind of go into autopilot mode. And we do this in regards to lullabies. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Yeah, I mean, you didn't even have to do anything, right? Like you just literally like autopilot filled in the blank. And that's because you know it. The problem with that is, is you, you already know it mentally, and so you just say it, but does it actually impact your heart? 
Does it actually impact your heart? In the Christmas story, if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you go, I know the story. I already know. And, and it's really important that if we've been following Jesus for any amount of time, that we don't enter into Christmas with that mindset. I already know the story. This is why it's so important, we've talked about not missing Jesus this Christmas. It's so important to sit with Jesus every single day during Advent. Every single day through all the whole rest of the year, but even more so during Advent. Because our hearts oftentimes are just shut off mentally, I already know. I already know. And it requires us to sit with Jesus. It requires us to simmer with Jesus. And when we do that, when we just sit with Jesus and we sit in the story of him coming, it moves from just this intellectual thing to actually begins to move into our hearts. And when it moves into our hearts, it actually begins to change how we live. So this morning... I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 2. And it is the core of the nativity scene. It is the core of Jesus being born. And my heart's desire is that as we read a healthy amount of passages this morning, that the lullaby effect would not take place. That you would fight to stay present into the text. You would see things, that the Spirit would illuminate something in your heart this morning. It says in Luke chapter 2, Verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. One of the main characters of this story, of all the Christmas story nativity scene portion, like this is, this is the one section that is probably my favorite, is the story of the shepherds. 
And it's my favorite because it's a reminder of me, of how good God is. If you don't know, shepherds were in the first century, uh, they're considered economically poor, lowly people. Not only economically poor and lowly people, they are people that are oftentimes categorized in the first century as people that were untrustworthy. In fact, uh, they were considered skeptical in the society, kind of cast outs, not uh, considered reliable. In fact, if there was any court proceedings that were taking place and, and it was a shepherd that said, I, I was an eyewitness, they wouldn't even listen to him. They just, no, you're a shepherd. Not going to trust you. Not going to listen to you. You know, kind of like lawyers and politicians, right? It's just like, eh, I don't have anything that I can really believe that you're actually telling the truth. This is the type of people, but they were poor. They were the bottom rung of the social order of Judaism. Um, they were people that were the outcasts of society. And so when you think about this real reality that Jesus, the Son of God, is coming to be born, who are the people that are invited? <laughs> it's the outcast of society. I want you to think about who's not invited. As I just was thinking, who's not invited? The emperor of Rome is not invited. The most powerful man in society, not invited. Um, Herod the Great in that area, not invited. Would be considered kind of like um, the mayor of a region or maybe the governor of a state, uh, not invited to Jesus' birth. Not the rich. Not the rich, not the most powerful in society and government, not the most powerful in society when it comes to economics, not invited. And, and for me, um, this makes me think personally, none of the Sanhedrin, none of the priests were invited. None of the religious people, none of them are invited. The first people that are invited are the shepherds. And what's amazing about this, in this amazing display of humility, Jesus born as a boy, an infant boy, a human, not just a human, but a human that goes through an amazing journey of, of his mom and his dad coming to Bethlehem on a journey and being born just like we're born. Mary, Joseph, on a donkey, no room for them and placed in a barn to be born. One of the things that helps me with Christmas is when my kids begin to wrestle with the story and love the story of the reality of Jesus being born and the shepherds being invited. It was this week while I was gone at baseball practice, I told my wife, I said, hey, don't remember, or don't forget Advent tonight. Yep, she's got it. So her, my daughter, and Theo are doing Advent, and I get home after practice. Kids are in bed, and I go, how'd it go tonight? Let's debrief. Let's talk about how Advent went, and I shared this story with you guys on Friday there at the volunteer Christmas party. Um, my wife, actually, if you did Advent, talked about the reality of the journey that Mary and Joseph had to go on and the journey of the shepherds being invited. And uh, she said, we talked about how long that journey was. It was a full day's walk to where they were going. And my wife looked it up on Google and she was talking with the kids about, about how the journey must have been pretty difficult, a full day's walk. And Alice pipes up and says, mom, she had a donkey. <laughs> 
And my wife goes, she was also nine months pregnant. And I was just kind of looked at her like, obviously not understanding what that looks like. And I love that. That in this story, we begin to see the full humanity of Jesus come. That he was born from Mary. And that Mary, and we're going to talk more about Mary next week, had this amazing journey that she had to go through. And eventually, Jesus is born. And it's shepherds that are invited. And it says in John chapter 1, as I read last week, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, here's where the story always gets like really good is we have the nativity we have the manger i don't know about you but when i was growing up like we had a nativity scene lit up in our front yard you guys remember those little like not adult size but you know humans at a little size and we always went to zamzos and we always got straw because we had to have straw when it comes to the manger and I remember going around and looking at the Christmas lights growing up, and man, we would see nativity scenes all over the place. Don't see them like we used to. But whenever we see the nativity scene, whenever we see the manger, this is like the picture of the manger, right? Oh, right? And I think that when we look at that and this lullaby effect takes place and we see this idea of the, the manger, like that's not reality. Is it? I mean, moms, how often do you think, like, I'm going to have a child, and when I have a child, I'm going to place this child in a manger? None of us think that, right? Have you been to a barn? No matter, like, how much you even planned of having a child in a barn or wherever, in a cave, or whatever it actually was, we don't actually really know, but whatever it actually was, you never, no matter how much planning, how much cleaning, it would never be acceptable, would it? You'd want to have your child in a home. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, this was messy. <laughs> this was messy. Last minute, finding a place to have Jesus. Last minute to figure out what's going to happen, where I'm going to have this child, and not only that, but then I find a place, I guess this will do, and we have a child, and guess what? We're placing him in a manger. I can tell you right now, I'm guessing, just assuming, I don't know, I'm not a, a woman and I'm not married, but like, it wasn't like, yay, into the manger. It, it wasn't that. <laughs> and it's just another picture of the reality of the nativity scene that is so amazing and so good. That Jesus coming and being born, that him being here on earth, that he was born into the mess, invited the lowliest of messy people, shepherds, not the king, not the rich people, not the religious leaders of the time, but shepherds, and he took on our mess because of love. The manger scene in the shepherds gets to the heart of the goodness of God. It gets to the heart of the reality of the God that we serve. That no matter whether you are, you are those people. You are the rich. 
You are the powerful politically. You are the poor. It doesn't really matter. Jesus has come to erase all the lines and to say, I'm willing to be born in the lowest rung of society and invite the lowest rung of society to me because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of a Savior. There is only one that is holy, and Jesus comes to communicate that to his people. One of the things that it has caused me to think about every single Christmas is that if Jesus didn't invite the religious leaders, he didn't invite me, a pastor of the time, if I wouldn't have been invited, would Jesus want to come to our church? Would Jesus want to come to our church? And what I mean by that is I'm not talking about turning over tables, come to church, right? Not that part of Jesus. <laughs> Would he want to come to real life? And I don't know the full answer to that because I'm not God. But my hope and my desire is that the answer would be yes. And here's the reason why. As I said on Friday night at our volunteer Christmas party, 20 things that I love about our church. A couple of them. I love our church because broken families come to real life. Broken families come to real life. It's, it's not always the people that come and have everything figured out. It's not the people that are good all the time. There are people that come here that aren't good. And I think they come here because they're looking for Jesus and they know that they can come here and maybe find Jesus and find a group of people that will love them in the midst of their brokenness. I love our church because addicts, addicts, people who struggle with addiction, they come here. They come here on Sunday. Whether that's drugs or alcohol or pornography, like people that are struggling with addiction come here. Why? Because they recognize and they know, even though it's a battle, that it's okay to not be okay and to come. That the outcasts of society can come. I love our church because ultimately people that have experienced brokenness, addiction, whatever it is, that hopeless people can actually find hope in Jesus here. And the reason for that is because you welcome the lowly. You notice those that are broken. You notice those that are hurting. And you are willing to go to the broken, welcome them instead of, you know, look and turn the other way. Instead of look, have a side conversation and move into the auditorium. And at the core of that, my hope and desire, as I see that, that Jesus would go, I want to hang out here. Because the lowliest of people are welcomed here. The people that I welcomed to my birth are here. What else does the manger scene show us? Well, I don't know if you noticed it in this section. Is it Luke is really clear about talking about the manger? The manger the manger. Did you notice that? It was three different times 
Luke talks about the manger. The narrator declares, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. The angel proclaims, this will be a sign for you to the shepherds. This is the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This is the sign. This is the one you're looking for. It's not like the other ones. This is the one you're looking for. He's in a manger. Uh, finally, the narrator recounts, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby What's it say up there? He was lying in a manger. This is the sign that Jesus is the one you're looking for. He's going to be in a manger. Which tells you, again, this wasn't necessarily the normal situation you'd be putting a child in, right? But the shepherds had to be able to go to Bethlehem and figure out where is Jesus? Who is the one that we've been looking for? The one we've been waiting for years after years after years. Who is this one? It's the one that's in a manger. What I find fascinating is there's a professor, Albright, who estimates the population of Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth to be about 300 people. So you may be saying, how did they find Jesus? Well, it's a pretty small town. So when it comes to actually looking at the ratio, he says that there's probably six or seven children that are firstborns at that time out of 300 people. Maybe at most, he says, is 10 to 20 male children. So we're not talking about a lot of kids. So Luke tells us that Jesus, through his, his wisdom, says this is the one. Out of 20, this is the one you're looking for. The one that's lying in a manger. And you notice that when the shepherds find Jesus, did you notice the response, verse 20? The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Glorifying and praising. Again, I think sometimes we miss what that looked like. Glorifying and praising. What does that look like? Glorifying and praising. Was that, was that like a, a worship service? Because that's the only time we kind of glorify and praise, right? Like during worship. Was it like a worship service? What was it going, what was going on? Well, I want us to just kind of sit in this I want to sit in this what it was like for shepherds the lowliest of people who have been waiting just like the rest of the Jews for years for a Messiah to come and they were the ones that were told he's here what was that like let's take a look
so beautiful. We must tell someone. We must tell everyone. We must tell everyone. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've waited for this for so long. So long. His arm. His arm. His arm. His arm. Oh, it's okay. What will you name him? Jesus. We will name him Jesus. shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them if they let people know and if you believe Jesus is who he says he is you must let people know you must let people know and so when it comes to the reality of you letting people know. This, this time, this season, this moment is a moment where Jesus invites us, the lowliest of people, all people to him, for us to experience the true reality of his goodness and his grace and that we would be then his vessels of letting the world know that he's come. 80% of people are open to going to church and experience and understand who Jesus is if they're invited. Are we willing to invite? Are we willing to invite? I've been thinking about this for my own life, that if I can't share my story with my kids, I'll never share it with my neighbors. And so one of the things I want you to think about when it comes to take home 
as I know some of you guys have got little ones. And so it may not be appropriate right now as they are little, but what are you doing right now to prepare the day and the moment where you get to share your story with your children? I've got a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 6-year-old, and the 6-year-old thinks he's a 10-year-old half the time. But my 12-year-old and my 10-year-old, they're ready to hear my story of how I came to know Jesus. And guess what? I've never told them. And so this week, with one of our dinners, I'm going to tell my kids the story that Jesus invited a lowly man in a relationship. And I accepted that invitation. And I get to share my story with my children. So I'd be reminded that it's my job to let people know. And it starts with my family. And it goes to my neighbors. It goes to my community. And so for those of you that walk with Jesus and you have pre-teens and teens, have you, have you shared and let them know what Jesus has done for you? And if you have little munchkins, what are you doing this Christmas to let them know? To let them know right now. If you're single, dating, not married, what are you doing to let people know? What does it look like for you, the person that was the lowliest invited, Jesus invited you, what does it look like to let people know? What does it look like to take advantage of Christmas Eve this Christmas? Ultimately, what this comes down to is taking on the mission that Jesus gave us. What he invited us into and what he gave us is ultimately, would you be willing to invite the outsider in? Would you be willing to invite the outsider into your life in hopes that they would see Jesus in you and through you, in hopes that they would experience the life-saving knowledge of who Jesus is? So as we get ready for communion this morning, I want to invite you just to bow your heads and prepare your heart. And if you weren't ready to take communion this morning, you didn't grab the elements and would like to take communion, these amazing people are willing to serve you. If you just want to raise your hand, they will be sure to give you the elements this morning. And this is the question that I want you to answer. Who will you let know? Who will you let know? And who is that person? Is it your spouse that doesn't know Jesus yet? Is it your kids? Is it your grandkids? Is it your neighbor? Is it your coworker? Let's spend some time praying with Jesus as we get ready to take communion this morning.